Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's actually brilliant to be here today, to come to a place of worship on a Sunday and actually find it filled with people. It's really full. Uh, That's great. I'm sure you've experienced the opposite, maybe not necessarily here, but if you've ever visited a smaller congregation or you've been overseas perhaps and you've gone to church and you've had the feeling that everybody else that Sunday seemed to have something better to do or somewhere better to go. It can be really discouraging actually. I remember going to a church service in Germany and there was like six people there, really dark church and it was, yeah, pretty deflating. On the other side, it's a great blessing to come together with a big group of Christian people and worship God. Just like it's fantastic if you have a special meal for your family. Um, I've got a, my dad's birthday today. It's great to be able to celebrate that with my family. Or if you've got a, a party and you invite all your friends, all your family, and it can be a real letdown if you've done all this preparation, got everything set up, and then one by one people say, oh, we can't come. So-and-so's sick or so-and-so's away. I had to work. It can be a bit of a letdown, just as it is here at church sometimes if we feel like no one else has turned up. I guess by way of encouragement, it's it's a great blessing to remember that God promises that this gathering, even if it's tiny and it seems pretty insignificant in terms of numbers, it's actually a gathering of everyone in the whole heavenly assembly. So we can be separated by space and time, um, even by death as well, but God promises that Jesus, our great high priest, actually leads our worship wherever it's taking place and that this worship unites heaven and earth. So we get to rejoice not just with the people here in the pews, but with angels, with archangels, and with all the company of heaven. And that includes saints who have gone before us and who have died in the faith. So this is like the weekly banquet. uh, And as small as it may appear sometimes, it is still a foretaste of the feast to come. When all of God's children are going to come together and celebrate his incredible mercy Because God is someone who invites people like us, undeserving people, to be part of his eternal banquet. Okay, so we gather for this weekly banquet, but then there's 166 or 167 hours left in the week. pastor's message can sometimes affect that. Uh, If it's 166 or 7. If you think about it though, we comparatively spend very little time here with the heavenly assembly uh, compared to the amount of time we spend out there living our lives amongst our, among our family or our friends or our colleagues or just other people in the community. This is a tiny amount of time compared to the rest of our week. But that's why this work, weekly worship is so important. This is where the Holy Spirit really shapes us, speaks to us, so that we can continue worshipping God when we leave. When we spend the rest of our life out in the world, we continue to worship God Uh, as a way of life. Sometimes you'll hear people say, and um, you may have said it yourself or you might have thought it yourself, well, you know, I can just worship God anywhere. You know, in fact, I feel closer to God while I'm fishing on my boat or watching the sunset or walking in nature. I feel closer to God doing that than I do sitting in some church on Sunday. Hey, I don't doubt it. Uh, And in fact, I've had many, many positive experiences of sensing God's presence or blessing in a special way when I'm somewhere out in nature. 
but it's not really meant to be an either-or equation, not one or the other in terms of worshipping God. When we're gathered here by the Holy Spirit to meet Christ, we get to experience him in a very special way, like receiving him, his body and blood in Holy Communion, like hearing his word read to us or preached to us, like having your sins forgiven, like encouraging your brothers and sisters in the faith as we confess the faith, as we sing our faith, as we pray together, to receive God's blessing placed upon you. Those things don't really happen if you're out in a boat or looking at the sunset or walking in nature, as good as those things are. When we come together like this, God shines his light on our lives. He pours his blessing into our hearts and he also sometimes reveals things in our hearts that don't bring glory to him and that are actually harmful to us or harmful to our relationships and God wants to remove those things. That kind of loving examination of our hearts doesn't tend to happen when we're setting the agenda for our worship time somewhere out in private. This time together in a community is a time for the Holy Spirit to shape us and equip us to be salt and light in the world. And that's where you're going to spend the majority of your time. So this reading we had today from Romans chapter 12, Paul actually speaks about this in language which is clearly related to worship, as in living your life outside of these walls, the other 166 or so hours of your life, he talks about living your life as an act of worship. In fact, he talks about offering our bodies as living sacrifices, which are holy and pleasing to God, and that this is our true and proper worship or our appropriate way of worship. Now, the interesting thing about this is this term, living sacrifice, because People that Paul was writing to, people of that time, they would have been really, really familiar with worship that involved animal sacrifice. So ritualized worship of God, either our God, the God of, of Israel, you know, uh, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or either, even of other religions, pagan religions, where they worship false gods. It would have involved an altar and dead animals like bulls, calves, lambs, goats, birds, and those dead animals were then offered to God or the gods on an altar. This was just standard practice when it came to worship in Paul's time. In fact, during Jesus' time as well. However, due to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, this entire system of worship was completely replaced. For we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So when Christ died, perhaps you can remember the story from the Gospels, the, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two, meaning this era of needing to offer dead animal sacrifices, that all came to an end. So Paul says in this passage, in view of God's mercy, meaning because Jesus has already made this final sacrifice for our sins, we don't need to offer dead things anymore. Instead, we can offer ourselves as living things, living sacrifices. That must have sounded completely strange and revolutionary, for anyone who had grown up with animal sacrifice. But this is the beautiful thing about our Christian faith. In view of God's mercy shown in Jesus on the cross, we're free to live our whole lives, these 167, 66 hours of our working week, as an act of worship, offering God everything we've got and asking him to use that to his glory. 
And the freeing thing is that we know that that's not to appease God or to somehow pay off any kind of debt. That debt's been paid fully by Jesus on the cross. Instead, we're called to offer our lives as living sacrifices, using the gifts that God has given you specifically to be a blessing to other people. So we're called just to live out our faith in gratitude for what God has done for us. And it's a wonderful gift to realise that that is exactly why you are here on this planet. Because God's given you special gifts and special talents and special relationships and in your life you are called to offer what God's given you as a living sacrifice just in gratitude for what he's done for you. That's why you're here. Interestingly, since we'll be spending most of our time worshipping God in the world, Paul makes it clear how we are to live our lives as an act of worship, and that's to be in contrast to the ways of this world. So Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And by doing that in us, that God will actually allow us to discern what God's uh, perfect and pleasing will is rather than just being swept away by the uh, spirit of the age. So as I mentioned before, I'm at Concordia College. I'm the the chaplain there or the pastor there. We have a a theme for every term in our chapel services. And this uh, term, we're just looking at the theme of relationships, how God blesses us with the gift of relationships. And as you know, relationships can be fantastic, joyful, positive, supportive, But not always. They can also be damaging or even toxic or highly stressful. So in our chapel services this term, we're looking at how these gifts, these relationships that God gives us, are actually an opportunity and a calling for us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, just as we live with our members of our family or with our friends or with our colleagues or with our neighbours, even with our enemies. And that God actually cultivates virtues in us, like the fruit of the Spirit, but not so that you keep all these virtues to yourself, but so that you use these virtues to be a blessing to other people and you share them. So to consider that you might be a person shaped by the Holy Spirit to be filled with love, with joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if that was the pattern your life was to set in this world, that would certainly not look very much like the pattern that we see with most people, even just at the supermarket, um, let alone in all of the things that we do, like the workplace. To have your minds renewed so that you're not just living for yourself but living for God and in service to others That would be the kind of worshipful life that God has actually made you for. That's what he's shaping you for right here as we gather with him and the heavenly assembly. Now, if you spend any time in the world and in Australian culture, you will have undoubtedly experienced a fair bit of resistance and pushback from the world towards the Christian faith. There's increasing hostility towards People like us who believe that God is good, God is real, God is the creator, God created all that is good, true and beautiful and that Jesus is our saviour. There's a lot of hostility just to those beliefs. So sharing the good news about Jesus with others is likely 
to come at a cost. And maybe that's where we feel this sense of sacrifice, that actually something is coming at a cost to us when we uh, experience this resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit and where people reject any kind of revelation coming into their life that contradicts their own feelings or experiences or worldview. I'm pretty sure we as a church have already experienced what this is like, this sense of sacrifice, this sense of loss as we endure some kind of hardship or opposition for our faith. But that is indeed part of our calling as we live as people of light in a darkened world. But as much as that sacrifice might be costly and even make us feel reluctant to share the news of God, I hope that the Holy Spirit can convict all of us that none of that is worth worrying about in contrast to the overwhelming joy of receiving a person anew in the kingdom of God. For there is great hope that God's Spirit will move people on account of your witness to become members of this family and join us in the heavenly assembly. By God working through people like you, just as a family member, just as a colleague, just as a person in the community or at the supermarket, just as God shapes you to be a blessing to other people, some of the people you spend time with will witness God at work. They'll be called by the Holy Spirit to join all of us at God's banquet. It seems completely unspectacular, and yet that's what God is shaping you for right here and right now, so that you can be a blessing and offer your life as a living sacrifice in just some simple, unexciting, mundane ways as you join other people in their simple, unexciting, mundane lives, because that's where we spend most of our time, 166 or 167 hours of our week. A fair bit of it sleeping too, I'll grant you that. Um, I can't guarantee you that your simple witness in loving people, being gentle, kind, generous, faithful, showing self-control and patience, I can't guarantee you that that will mean every gap in this pew next week is suddenly filled or that those people will ever actually set foot inside a church. But God's merciful plan, his incredible plan for this world includes you. That's why you are here. The whole heavenly assembly from all ages and all times, they're all part of this plan as well. And we belong to this amazing group. And it's most amazing because God's mercy has transformed everybody in it. Just as we we read in the gospel, we don't come clothed ourselves, but actually clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus has transformed every person in this heavenly assembly. So may God's spirit continue to shape you here to prepare you for a life of worship as you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, bringing glory to God and blessing to others. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all human understanding Keep our hearts and our minds safe in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.